You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tell Ambassadors Jakar and Lando I want to see them in chambers now. Then invite them again as firmly and as politely as you can. Captain, either you snore or last night we had a hell of a breach in the hull. What do I do now? Uh, old style, you roll over and go to bed. New style, you go out for pizza and I never see you again. What's inside there? One moment of perfect beauty. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic, Babylon 5. This week, Season 2, Episode 1, Points of Departure. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we we are are the Epsilon Epsilon 3. Status report. Lieutenant Commander Susan Ivanova recording. It is now eight days since the death of Earth Alliance President Luis Santiago, and five days since Commander Sinclair was recalled to Earth without explanation. And the whole place has gone straight to hell. And the synopsis for this episode. Captain John Sheridan takes command of Babylon 5 after Sinclair is reassigned. And a rogue Mimbari warship is on the loose. And the truth behind the end of the Mimbari war is revealed. Security Chief Michael Garibaldi remains in critical condition in MedLab. Dr. Franklin's done all he can, but we still don't know if he'll recover. As for Ambassador Delenn, well, something's going on in her quarters. That's for sure. Written by JMS and directed by Janet Greek, this episode was released on the 2nd of November, 1994, and takes place on January the 8th, 2259. And our guest stars, Richard Grove as Kellane, Robin Sachs as Hedron, Robert Foxworth as General William Haig, Jennifer Anglin as Deron, Michael McKenzie as Vastor, and Robert Rustler as Warren Keffer. So, season two starts... We have the new titles at the beginning of our show. Mm. We have a new leader of the gang. So what do we think of this, guys? I think we've been waiting for Sheridan to get here all along. He He's just a more dynamic character than Sinclair was. He, he's more upbeat. He seems more at ease in the role, even though it's just the first episode. And the title sequences are much more punchy and uh, I guess a little bit quicker too than the last season. So it's that, a good start. Yeah, that's right. That's a good word. Dynamic. I like that. It's, uh, he is very, he's a lot more animated and, and um, emotional, I think. To, to Yeah, because uh... yeah, Sinclair just seemed very morose and depressed all the time or very uh, tightly wound. And uh, other than uh, some some uh, sadness in the second episode that we'll discuss next week, uh, Sheridan uh, seems uh, pretty happy-go-lucky and just happy to be wherever he is. Yeah. What do you reckon, Dan? 
you well you said it with the, the credit sequence the the pace is already set there you're not taking so long to get through all the names and the credits you're actually showing scenes and cgi and action and battle you know there's so much more going on in just the title sequence that you're thrown into it a lot better and from the first scene with sheridan where it feels almost a little bit star trekky where you know they've just sorted out some pirates and if you ever give you some trouble again we'll be right back with the agonon um and he's you know it kind of i guess is trying to tell the audience that this is like your typical space captain and you know you know the other guy was great but this guy is going to be new it's going to action it's going to have a little bit more uh, oomph to it and yeah sheridan just hits the ground running and unlike say the gathering where this episode felt um like it was trying to give the exposition the gathering was very very um stilted and it didn't really flow very well in this episode we got it you know done as a stat- status report with ivanova and uh, sheridan as we said last week um but you know she was delivering it like a stats report so it felt more organic to the script so any exposition that this had to do and all of the expectations on this new commander were dealt with in a far more organic way than i think the, the gathering did um and i think it just makes it seem all the better for it yeah that that uh, opening scene with the uh, ivanova was definitely a, a captain's log wasn't it it was uh, very mm. much bring you up to speed with everything that's gone on just in case you haven't seen the show before or in case you haven't um, you know, it's been a while since the, uh, the the previous series was was aired um i thought it was funny though i mean with when we have this new uh, babylon 5 series do you think that they will just do here's babylon 5 here's the new series they run through it in 5 years and away we go or will they do what they've been doing with star wars and star trek spin off loads of other little sideshows like maybe early Sheridan on the Agamemnon. Could easily do it. Hmm. There's lots of potential for yeah. world building. Like it's... there could have been seven or eight different spin-off series. They tried with Crusade and that only mm-hmm. got the 13 episodes or whatever, but they could have done like 10 different things. Yeah. Rangers, uh, the Minbari Earth War, uh, the early days of the Centauri Republic, like a million different things. Yeah. And if the reboot is going to stick with Sinclair as the commander of Babylon 5, as originally intended and Sheridan then goes and has his own life elsewhere, you know, that could easily work as a separate series. If they want to go original concept instead of actually just rebooting the Babylon 5 we've been watching, it's easily done. Mm-hmm. So the, the first uh, scene, you know, the first time we see um, Sheridan, he's on the bridge mm-hmm. and he's facing away from the camera. So they turn, he turns around in his chair and he you know, to reveal, you know, obviously it's got to be, Bruce Boxline there, and it's going to be this new, you know, new beginning. But what I don't get is, it, where's the microphone? Because, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, here I am with my microphone. So, I mean, if I sat with my back to the microphone like like, like this, and then say, <laughs> well, if you have any more uh, trouble with the pirates, uh, you know, just give us a shout. It, it, it's going to get louder and louder. I don't get it. But- In the future, it's just automatic pickup doesn't matter yeah. where you are. The microphone's everywhere, and they automatically adjust to your volume. Yeah. It's rigged for sound. Yeah. It's got to be. That, that's mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, uh, we see that he gets sent to uh, Babylon 5, and he's told about this, you know, this renegade Mimbari warship, the uh, Trigardi, or as the um, Mimbari tend to pronounce it, Trigati. Uh, if you listen carefully, both Bimbardi say it with a T and everybody else says it with a D. So 
I don't know why that is. Um, but it's only two jumps away from Babylon 5, and, you know, with some hostile intent. It's uh, Sheridan's sent, basically, to, uh, to help protect uh, Babylon 5 and um, do another unspecified job. Mm. Mm, wonder what that would be. But meanwhile, Babylon 5, Ivanova, there she is, surrounded by uh, loads of people, arguing the toss over something or other that they all they all want to put their penny worth in. And she just, oh, the faces she's giving, blowing out her cheeks. And, oh, God, I've got this again. And walks into the uh, the elevator, the doors close. The doors open, and she's there toe-to-toe with them, giving them that down the banks. And as far as I'm concerned, the transports can wait until the sun explodes. And if you're not happy with the seating arrangements, I will personally order your seats to be moved outside, down the hall, across the station, and into the fusion reactor. Am I absolutely, perfectly clear on this? I can only conclude that I'm paying off karma at a vastly accelerated rate. I thought it was funny because the way Ivanova was leaning, I thought, is she wearing those like skis that, you know, when you lean forward, you, like, you can really get in somebody's face, but like be at a ridiculous angle. It's was... the power of her talking. She's pushing off like the, the repercussions of what she's saying off of their bodies. So she's like leaning into her own volume. That's what it is. <laughs> it, it brings you up to speed with who Ivanova is as well. You know, really, mm. you know, it takes no nonsense. Um. But yes, uh, in her little uh, voiceover, we find out that uh, Garibaldi's still in a coma and uh, Delenn is in a cocoon. Um, the acting that those two actors had to do. <laughs> I know, yes. <laughs> the, best, the best first week that they've ever had. Jakar's <laughs> not even here either, so... Yes, we get uh, and we get the, the new titles as well, just in, around this point. So, with, with, um, mm. as we said, with Sheridan's voiceover and the more dramatic music and, and what have you. Um, and we find out that Ivanova has served with Sheridan before, which I think is great because it makes for a nice handover for him. And, you know, he's obviously he's got somebody he can trust uh, working beneath him, and, and, you know, even though he doesn't know anybody else yet. Uh, so it's great for it's a great way of bringing him up to speed and bringing up the audience to speed as well. Yeah. So Ivanova can tell him what's happening and you know, we find that out at the same time. So it, it, without it being too heavy handed. That's right. And then we get some more world building because, oh, you worked at the transfer point at IO together. There's a little bit of history. We never mentioned the guy before, but why would you? Why would you have talked about your former boss at your new job, right? You wouldn't, mm-hmm. but uh, there it is. It's it's all the same. Yeah. It's history. The uh, Grey Council, though, they're not happy with uh, Sheridan, the star killer. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, he is taking over Babylon 5. I mean, it's it's really not, not a good look, is it? I mean, had it been the other way around, we know that we had the uh, in the first season we had the uh, the Mimbari, who was uh, he'd been a, a, the head of um, the well he'd been head of something. What was he head of? He was the head of, or he was certainly he fought in the battle, didn't he? And he was a, a good adversary for Sinclair. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so can you imagine if he was made the ambassador to the Mimbari or whatever, let's say, mm-hmm. or um, you know along those lines, how would? Sinclair or how would the earth people have felt about that? I mean, it's a little bit put out. Yeah. Mm. So you can imagine, you can understand certainly why the Bimbari are not happy about having the person who took out their flagship uh, mm. as the guy who's now you know, leading the, uh, uh, the, the Babylon five uh, station. I appreciated that also that it wasn't just um, JMS had said, right. Okay. Uh, it's just somebody else who was on the line. 
it could so easily have just been, oh, this was the co-pilot for Sinclair, or this was his wingman that he's taking over, and Sinclair and Sheridan maybe didn't get on, and, and they, they made the world too small. This made it much more believable that this was a different war hero with a separate story and a complete other can of worms that comes with him being in the place as opposed to Sinclair. It could have quite easily just been, you know, another guy from the same battle. But that no, battle they, of they, the line. Exactly. They just they made it seem so much more of a, a wider and more interesting uh, world rather than just saying it all came down to one conflict during a, you know, what is it, three year war in total? Three year three year war with multiple yeah. fronts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what do we think of uh, Sheridan's speech at the uh, obviously mm-hmm. on the uh, the CNC? The one Salt. that he had to give in two parts? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was a very good speech. I mean, I, I liked the, uh, I, I thought, first of all, when he started talking, I thought, oh, they're all going to be yawning. Oh, you were in Tibet. Oh, come on. <laughs> Dinner with the Dalai Lama. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, I've heard it all before, you know. Uh, but then he, he spins it around. And I thought, he said, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And when I find out what I don't know, then I, I can, you know, I can rely on you guys to, to bring me up to speed. I thought it was a very, very good speech. And mm-hmm. certainly the, uh, the the crew seemed to appreciate it. They were all nodding and smiling and saying, hey, this guy's pretty good. You know, he's a, you know, he's, yeah, we get it. So <laughs> I, I think Although, I'll that speech myself. That, that would have been my airplane moment that we actually get the inner monologue of all the people as they listen to the speech. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, just shut up, Sheridan. Well, for crying out loud. And then someone at the end goes, did I leave the stove on? <laughs> Guess I picked the wrong week to stop the smoking. <laughs> 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 but um, that also then leads in, he's interrupted and it led into what was almost my second airplane moment. The ops person just shouts at him. Right. Did you get the, the delivery of how she, she put out that line? It's like, he's trying to talk to you. He says there's a matter of most urgency. It's going to destroy the station. Over. That's yeah. it. And then, and then when, when the camera pulls back, she's right in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah, not like the other end of the, Yeah, she's not right at the other end of the thing. She's sitting right there. <laughs> this is my one scene. I have to get it out clearly and in one take because <laughs> film is expensive and I need to know my lines. <laughs> Mummy paid for my acting classes. I've got to make it right. <laughs> oh dear. So anyway, he goes to um, to visit this guy, and he he um, speaks to um, he speaks to Ethan. Sorry, um, the uh, Mimbari first, uh, who yes. warns him about uh, the captain of the yes. Trigadi Trigati right. being on there because that's the op- the ops person warns about this guy, and he's mm. seeking an audience uh, with with um, Sheridan. Yes. But this this Mimbari is played by Ethan from Buffy, and that's where I really know him. And and that's it's a very evil character. Should not be trusted. Do not give him an inch because he'll take a mile. Um, he's horrible in everything else I've seen him as well. So instantly, I don't like this character. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it's it's good that we're getting this Trugati. You know this a big problem that it's not necessarily, you know, the fault of the Mimbari that there's this separatist element to it. Um, it, it just kind of seemed like a shame that they didn't bring the cruiser from uh, the other week back. You know, the one that was bringing the body of the dead fallen warrior that they weren't the ones brought back and maybe, Oh, we got used to Sheridan and now uh, Sinclair. And now we have to get used to Sheridan. I kind of felt like that, could, that was something that was missing from this episode. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, if it had been 
the, the same guy when he came back, they had mm. the same ship that came back, then that would have been a bit awkward because it, you know, they, could, they would have said, oh, look, the gun ports are open. Oh, yeah, don't worry. It was the same last time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we, we, we know what they do. No, the uh, the one that turns up at the end, not the Trigati, but the one that actually saves them in the end. So the, the friendly oh, Mimbari cruiser. Oh, right. Sorry, I'm with you. Hey, yeah. Super friendly. Well. He didn't have some nice yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, the the people who were against them a few weeks ago are now their friends. And then you've got the Trigati, like an extra threat. Right. That makes sense. So hmm. Robin Sachs plays Hedron. Wasn't Hedron the Mimbari? He's just Ethan. I, I didn't learn his Mimbari name. That was it. Right. The reason I say that is because he has played in... Um, Galaxy Quest. Mm. As the villain, the main Sarius. villain. Sarius. Yeah. But you wouldn't tell it from everything. Oh, no. He doesn't look the right build. Mm. But, uh, yeah. I was surprised when I saw that. Anyway, moving on. So, yes, we find out that Kalein has gone to Delenn's quarters to kill her. That's it. As I say, kill her with a question mark. Um, and they, they managed to arrest him. He's obviously, you know, he's standing there with a gun pointing at Linnea. Linnea did pretty good work there. He was prepared to die for, his, you know, for Delenn. Mm. I like this line. He'd either kill me or don't, because I got a hell of a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you are going to kill me, then do so. Otherwise, I have considerable work to do. Yeah, I feel like that sometimes. <laughs> he's been taking lessons from Ivanova. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so they arrest him and they get, they get him into the um, you know, into the chamber. But in the meantime, Linnea tells Sheridan that he needs to speak to him, and uh, where he will re- reveal a number of things, including the reason he uh, was appointed and the reason they surrendered at the Battle of the Line. And this is where we find out that the Mimbari souls are being reborn into human bodies. It's like the entire first season wrapped up in one in a speech. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. What do we think about that? Well, it's about time that everything's out in the open because we've been learning little bits and pieces all the first season. We know this part. We know that part. Nobody's connected everything. And here's Lanier. Like, okay, <laughs> here you go. Here's all the stuff. Most of it anyway. Why was it left to Lanier to do that part I mean, and not Delenn? Why was it not sort of Delenn coming out of the cocoon and saying, right, now I'm here, now I can explain this is what happens when you get a mixture of, of races, etc. Et Why was it left to the aid of, a, of an ambassador on a, on a sort of... You need, you need the full guy. That's what it is. Because like, if anything comes back, you can just, you know, plausible deniability. Uh, he doesn't really know what he's talking about. He saw one thing and he other said, what? He, he saw two and two and made it five. You know, it's completely wrong. He's just, he's underqualified. Just send him back on his Kawasaki that he got for uh, Garibaldi. So old, mixing a thousand years. What are you talking about, Lanier? Are you drunk again? <laughs> that's it. The alcohol's still in his system. Yeah. He did actually have some. Yeah. yeah. You've been looking that that's outside that's of that it. cocoon again. <laughs> well, with all those candles, those scented candles, there's going to be something going on there. Yeah, how did that thing not burn? <laughs> Especially when she escaped out of the right thing. next to it. That's a fire hazard. Well, that's what happened. When we, later, when we come back and we find that there's a great big hole in the in the thing, she's exploded. <laughs> but anyway, we'll come to that. We'll come to that next week. Um, so the um, yes, yeah, so Mimbari. So, so basically, Mimbari can't kill Mimbari. So therefore, they had to stop the war because they were killing their own people as it as they thought so 
believed, I should You know, because no changeling has ever harmed another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. But I'm really surprised it is revealed this early. I, I, in my hazy memory, I always thought it was later in the second season. I thought it was the end of the second season that we got this. But no, there we go. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. This is all mm. it. Up front, first episode. Yeah. This is what's going on. Yeah. Here's some shadows for you and uh, whatever. <laughs> you could just watch The Gathering, The Pilot, and Chrysalis and really, really need anything else. Maybe Eyes, sure. maybe Eyes, just because it references it a bit, but yeah, that's it's, it. It's, yeah, it is a bit strange, isn't it, the way it all comes out in one big blurb this, you know, in this one episode. And then we're sitting here going, well, what's the next mystery then? <laughs> we know the shadows are coming. Um, you know, we know obviously that uh, the, you know, the um, Centauri are sort of, a bit, well, L- Londo is I- in with it all. You know, what's what's mm-hmm. going to happen next? You know, you've, you've spoiled it now. Oh, spoilers. So anyway, yes, the um, uh, the, the oh, what's his name again? I forgot his name. Uh, Kalane. He uh, realizes that uh, his uh, friends are coming in the ship, so he kills himself, mm. as you do. And the Trigardi uh, tried to st- the Trigardi tries to start a war um, by appearing and then you know, with with all its gunports open and ready to start a war and launching its fighters and you know really sort of aggressive moves here and because the Babylon Five has to put their fighters out and there's a standoff there and then uh, Sinclair gets this great idea uh, Sinclair uh, Sheridan gets this great idea and sends a message through the uh, the gate and into hyperspace and next thing we have another battle cruiser turns up and you know what also turns up this promo for another podcast right here on the eso network hi i'm joe heath and i'm tony heath and we're the hosts of the watchathon of rassilon a podcast where we're watching through all of doctor who and we're just about finished with the classic series depending on when you hear this we may already be done so why not go check for yourself and while you're there why not go ahead and listen to every single episode of the watchathon of rassilon and watch as joe loses his last little tenuous grip on sanity the watchathon of rassilon a proud member of the eso network Wow, Paul, did you see that promo coming in on the left flank? Well, no, I was too busy babbling on uh, to uh, to see that promo coming, so you caught me by surprise. Ta-da! <laughs> I was trying to think for five pum then, but I couldn't just I couldn't do it. Well, there we go. Yes, great, uh, great promo there. Hmm. Uh, so the uh, yes, the uh, the second uh, battle cruiser turns up and. Saves the day, basically. They uh, they tell obviously the Trigardi to uh, stop fighting, um, and the Trigardi decide to end it all there and then and, and blow themselves up. Mm-hmm. I mean, good thing too, because we almost lost our big and best buddy, the uh, Warren, the fighter pilot. You know, the guy that we've loved for the, all of season one and know everything about and all his backstory and everything. I mean, I'm really glad that he survived that battle. Finally, yeah. time that he's in the in the opening credits too, because Absolutely. we've been following this story like from the I mean, very beginning. I mean, if anything, he's the pinnacle of the entire show, really. When you think about it, it, exactly. it all hinges. It all hinges yeah. on that guy. It, yeah. Him and Lou, their backstories in, in oh, very intricate. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, really what Babylon Five is all about. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what everyone says. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, it's like the uh, Garibaldi's aide. I mean, no, just mm. this guy, he's pivotal, absolutely pivotal. And we, well, absolutely. 
I'm sure we'll find out his name at some point. But you know, it, yeah. it's uh, otherwise otherwise known as Aid. Mm. Maybe that's his name, short for Adrian. Yeah, Aid. Yeah, yeah. Could be. That'll be the lower deck spin-off when they do the reboot. So we get those three guys, and they're like the the main part of that story. And it's just the, all of their backstory, where they came from. One was born on Mars. One was somewhere else. You know, that's it. That's that's what it's going to be. Only if we get uh, Super Mario from By Any Means Necessary, who runs <laughs> on the dock. Jinxo comes in as kind of like you know the, the the other character who just appears every now and then with it, with his robes and his staff. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Still haven't found the grill yet. Still looking. <laughs> Still going. Can I just oh, check out it? So. I, I yeah. just didn't leave it here, did I? It hasn't slid down the back of this sofa, has it? No. <laughs> I've looked everywhere else. Who else but Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. What about Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> we never see him every episode. It's just, you know, where's Thomas? What's he doing? <laughs> he's over there. No, he's not. Oh, dear. You'll, you'll see him on one of the Shadows ships or something. Yeah. Excuse me. Have you seen a Grail? <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, he's he's the head of Zeta Wing. Getting back to Warren, he's the head of Zeta Wing, hmm. not Alpha Wing, not Bravo Wing, not like the top two dogs. Yeah. Zeta Wing, and he's dining with Ivanova and Franklin by the end of the they episode. Go way back. They go way back. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, way back I'm to just, Rose Head. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you've got friends in high places, and the best you get is Zeta Wing, I mean. Yeah. Get better friends, mate. Come on. Yeah. Well, maybe he's brown nosing, trying to get up a few uh, letters. Uh, that's what it is. He's too busy watching those holograms of his girlfriend. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Letters from home. Yeah. Uh, that's it. As if you're just watching it there in the middle of the day, like with everybody around. Hey, do you mind? I'm trying to watch. Yeah, she's in a nightgown. Just avert yeah. your eyes, guys. Come on. He's like, hey, look, there's a war breaking out outside. Yeah, just hang on a minute. Just hang on a minute. A letter. I'm trying to read this. Oh, boys, look. Why is He's reading his letters over there. Whoa. <laughs> I love to watch him read his letters. Bloody alpha wing. Oh, God. Anyway, as we get to the uh, the end of the episode, uh, Linnea tells Delenn in the cocoon about the forthcoming shadows. Mm. And Sheridan finally finishes his speech. But there's nobody in CNC. What's what shift is that? Right? How is that even the thing? How how, yeah. how is the control operation room left unattended? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a bad shift pattern. That when there's a gap in the middle of it. Yeah, one's already yeah. buggered off home, and the others are you know, a few minutes away. Must be nighttime or something. Yeah. Well, they all they all realised what they'd left on during the first bit of the speech. They've all gone back to their quarters to deal with the problems, yeah. and no one's left. That's what it is. I, I that or Sheridan started his speech again, and people have gone, oh, I've heard this bit. Uh, I've got a bit of, <laughs> got a bit of shopping. If, I need to do if he brings up Abraham Lincoln one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm out of here. You see the last guys sort of shuffling out. Uh, I'll, I'll catch you later. I'll, 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 <laughs> Oh, la-dee-da, dines with the Dalai Lama. Oh, look at him. How many times did you dine with the Dalai Lama? Oh. The thing is, in the future, there's like nine different Dalai Lamas for nine different types of religions, so it could literally be anyone. doesn't really matter. Okie dokie. So, trivia. And there is absolutely nothing in the way of trivia except for this one thing, which is... Yeah. An edited version of General Haig's line, your commanding officer, 
Commander Sinclair will not be returning to Babylon 5. He's been reassigned, uh, which was uh, edited to Commander Sinclair is being reassigned, was later one of the fa uh, phrases featured in the opening sequence of season five, which we'll get to okay. next year. Yeah. And then there was, was it the date that this happened on? And that's the only two bits of trivia I could find. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all it. I could find. Yeah, it's really weird. Well, that's okay, because I've got a whole heck of a lot of Star Trek connections this week. Excellent. Hey. Go for it. Yeah. All right. Well, the first Star Trek connection is right in your opening credits. We've got a new Natoth. We've got Mary Kay Adams instead of Julie Caitlin Brown. And we know Mary Kay Adams from two episodes of Deep Space Nine, where she played the Klingon Grilka. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the new Natoth? Uh, not as ferocious as the last one. Yeah, mm. I thought her voice was a bit too soft, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word feminine, but mm. I, I just have done so. Um, it, it, it didn't sound aggressive enough. I mean, the previous Natoth was aggressive, and that's great for the Narn because they're supposed to be that sort of warrior aggressive sort of uh, race. I thought mm. she was a bit too calm and soft. placid, soft. and yeah, soft. Yeah. So mm. yeah, I was a bit disappointed. But yeah, it's only our first episode, so we'll have to well, see. Yes. Yeah, there's a snarky tone that you have with the original Natoth that's yes. just not there. And a, mm. a little bit of a twinkle in her eye as well, or red eyes at least. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Uh, and then we've got Robin Sachs. Uh, he was in Star Trek Voyager The Void. And in a funny tie-in to uh, Babylon 5, he played the character General Valen. Hmm? And that's who Sinclair becomes in Valen's name. Ah. Yes, yes. Uh, and then we've got uh, Robert Foxworth, who played General Haig. Uh, he was in Enterprise. He played Velas in three episodes. He also played in Deep Space Nine as Admiral Layton in two episodes. Mm. I but do not like, only that. I was going to say, sorry, Sean, I, I, well, I do like him. I do like him. I think all he ever does is sit there and talk into a camera for, for you know, being a general. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, but I think he's a better actor than they, they used him. I think they could have used him a lot more and, and had him move around a bit. There was uh, one scene, I think it was in this episode, I'm trying to think now, where he's talking to uh, Sheridan, and you see him on the screen, and I like the bit where Sheridan's talking and you can see the screen behind him and, and you can see uh, General Foxworth doing the... Uh, General Foxworth... Uh, uh, what was his name? General Hague. General Hague. Yeah, you can see him behind him. Uh, so I thought that was a nice little scene. But then it cuts to actual General Haig himself sat in the chair <laughs> with a slight side view. I thought, well, that's a bit odd. And then it goes back to him being on the screen again. I thought, that, what, what was that all about? That was a weird cut. I mean, there must have been maybe some voice work that didn't quite work and they had to get him back and sit him in a chair or something. I don't know, it was weird. You were talking about, well, there's microphones everywhere. Maybe there's cameras everywhere as well. And you just yes. wanted to get all the different things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay, sorry, Sean, carry on. No, it's okay, it's okay. So yeah, he was in Enterprise and Deep Space Nine, but he also played Quester in the Quester tapes, who is the prototype for Data, mm. which was a series that uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, was trying to get off the ground, but it never got made. Oh. Mm. So that's nice. a deep cut. Yeah. Uh, then we have Russ Fega. He played Merchant One in this episode, and he was on Star Trek Voyager as Paxum in the episode Basics Part Two. Uh, we've got Bennett uh, Guillory, who played Merchant Two, and in the Deep Space Nine episode Profit Motive, he played Medical Big Shot. That's how he was credited as. <laughs> 
Uh, and then the merchant final, number two. <laughs> merchant number two. And then ambassador number three, played by Christopher Logan. Uh, he played an Elorian survivor in Star Trek Generations. Oh. It's like a dating game. It's like, will yeah. it be no- ambassador number one? <laughs> yeah. Ambassador number one, please. <laughs> he likes Ferrero Rocher and he'll treat you every night. <laughs> oh. Those are the Star Trek connections for this one. Did you mention uh, Robert uh, Russler? Did you mention him? No, he, he was the fighter pilot guy, the new guy. Yeah, Star Trek yeah, Enterprise. I missed it then. Yeah, Orgoth hmm. in Anomaly. Oh. Hmm. Must have been an anomaly that I missed it. Uh-huh. Very good. Very good. Okay, thanks. That's a, a lot of a lot of Star Trek connections to that show. Well done. Thank you. So, ratings. Uh, we rate our uh, episodes. Um, we don't rate our episodes. We rate the episodes of Babylon 5 uh, out of five jump gates because Babylon 5. Uh, IMDb uh, rate theirs out of 10 and they give it a 7.8, which uh, translates uh, as 3.9 on our scale. That, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's, it's a decent, uh, a decent. well, for, for the first, you know, second season, first episode, pretty good. Mm. So Sean, what did you uh, think? What did you? What was your rating for the show? I was trying to think about that. Uh, it's it's pretty decent, uh, but I, I'm going to give it a three point seven five. It's 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 good. It's it's not as good as it could be. Uh, that lady shouting at him from the command chair there in the little pit that was just weird. Um, I don't I don't know if the pacing was necessarily off, but it was it was just it was good, but it wasn't enough. Dan, what did you reckon? Yeah, um, as a pilot, as a new pilot, basically, because we've had to start with a new commander, I thought it worked. You had a good lot of exposition at the beginning, all delivered organically, so you could catch up the audience if they hadn't seen everything of season one uh, back in the days before you couldn't binge all of this. Um, It sort of wrapped things up for season one with Lanier's explanation and kind of means that you didn't really need to see all of season one as well so it, i kind of felt like it, it it was sort of pushing season one away and i think that kind of let it down a bit but having now watched next week's as well you know pulling the curtain behind for our listeners you know we do watch two at a time um you know it feels like the second part of a trilogy from crystallis to what will happen next week and that that second part is always the saggy one in a trilogy you know it just takes its time you know it's the one that's just sort of moving us to the next bit of the conclusion um so yeah the pacing is a little bit weird a bit strange for me but really enjoyable and i'm going to come in exactly the same as sean at 375 oh okay um so i thought the the same thing as both of you really in, in in different ways so um dan yes definitely i like the um beginning bit with all the exposition and the way it was all explained um brought us all up to speed again after you know, a few months off or, or whatever or because we binge it and do it one after the other it's a couple of weeks ago um i did a nice thought about putting it into a trilogy and this, this being the middle one but it does bring in the um you know the, the why the battle of the line uh, was uh, ultimately stopped and why the Mimbari uh, surrendered um it's it, it's a bit slower than last uh, the the first the last episode of the first season, uh, where it's not trying to rush to get everything done and, and get everything uh, you know brought up to speed. So it does slow down slightly, but it, I think it brings in Sheridan. It gives him enough screen time for him to become um, 
established. Yeah, we know who he is. We know a bit about his character. We know he's worked with Ivanova. So it brings him up to speed. And because it focuses on him and doesn't have um, a lot of ambassadors cluttering up the space, I think it's, um, it's a better, it's a, you know, it's a good, um, we, we've had all of the others in the, in the first season, we've had all the other characters have their episodes. So let's give Sheridan this one. Uh, so I think, you know, that was, I, th- I thought it was quite good. I liked the way he was introduced. I liked the character, I liked the actor. Uh, so I'm going to go slightly higher than you two and give it a four. But for the same reasons, because yes, it's it's not mm. brilliant. In the it's not you know it's certainly not a, you know a five out of five or even a, a four and a half or up there. But it's good enough, and it's good. It, I think it's slightly better than um, other episodes we've seen. So, uh, but I think we were all agreed that this starts um, season two fairly strongly. Oh, yes, mm. I think so. Nice big exposition dump. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing season two, episode two, Revelations. That's what you need if you want to be the best. best. <laughs> want to beat the rest? Oh, Revelations. What <laughs> Revelations. You need. What you need? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, I might drop something in there just to see if it works or not. I don't know. Anyway, okay, okay. <laughs> dedication, dedication, dedication. That's what you need if you wanna be the best. If you wanna be the best, dedication. Actually, the, I forgot to mention there was the little the little speech from Franklin, very very tiny one, um, where he said about the. Um, uh, there's sometimes when the world is too painful when he's talking about uh, Garibaldi being in the coma mm-hmm. and no matter how you, yeah, how much it wants to you know, try hard, it wants to heal and all this sort of thing. I thought it was a really good speech, really nice little moment between him and Ivanova. And then uh, she says, I'll, I'll uh, have a prayer for him. And then he said, he's agnostic. Oh, I'll do half a prayer then. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. that was pretty good. Half a prayer. Half a prayer. So all we can do is keep him hooked up like this? What, forever? Well, the human body is an amazing thing. It can cure itself, or it can simply decide one day that the world is too painful to deal with and won't cooperate no matter how hard you try to heal it. Now, that debate is going on somewhere in Garibaldi's body right now. Just gonna have to wait and see who wins. Well, then I'll say a prayer for him tonight. He's agnostic. Then I'll say half a prayer. Yeah, well, put that half a prayer just before you get you say, yeah, deliver him from evil. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then what? <laughs> what, what? What do you want me to do with him after that? Well, it's Babylon 5. No one finishes their sentences. It's fine. Oh, yeah. That's I've fine. got that written down for this next. <laughs> oh, is it? No, so, oh, no, that was it. No, I was going to say, you say that nobody finishes the sentences. Sheridan never finish. even finishes his speech. <laughs> when I was 21, I visited Tibet. I went to see the new Dalai Lama. We had a simple dinner. Rice, raisins, carrots, steamed, not boiled, and green tea. When it was over, he looked at me and said, do you understand? I said, no, I didn't. A good beginning, he said. You'll be even better when you begin to understand what you do not understand.
If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.